And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you.
where laws were stern and justice stood. And people were behaving like they ought to good. There lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he said. Me and you tonight, we're gonna make some cash, robbing old folks and making the dash. They did the job, money came with ease, but one couldn't stop, it's like he had a disease. He robbed another Pick and another, Pick and a up. sister and a brother. Tried to rob a man who was a DC undercover. The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic, he said, Keep still, boy, no need for static. Punched him in his belly and he gave him a slap. But little did he know, the little boy was strapped. The kid pulled out a gun, he said, Why'd you hit me? The barrel set straight for the cop's kidney. The cop got scared, the kid he thought to figure. I'll do years if I pull this trigger. So he cold dashed and ran around a block. Cop radios into another lady cop. He ran by a tree, there he saw the sister. Shot for the head, he shot back, but he missed her. Looked around good and from expectations, he decided he'd hit for the subway station. But she was coming and he made a left. He was running top speed till he was out of breath. Knocked an old man down and swore he killed Sorry. him. Then he made his move to an abandoned building Ran up the stairs up to the top floor Opened up a door there, guess who he saw? Who? Dave the dope fiend shooting dope Who don't know the meaning of water nor soap He said, I need bullets, hurry up, run The dope fiend brought back a spanking shotgun He went outside, but there was cops all over Then he dipped into a car, a stolen over Raced up the block doing 83 Crashed into a tree near university Escaped alive, though the car was battered Rat-a-tat tatted and all the cops got Ran out of bullets and he still had static Grabbed the pregnant lady and pulled out the automatic Pointed out ahead, he said the gun was full of lead He told the cops, back off, for honey, here's dead Deep in his heart, he knew he was wrong So he let the lady go and he starts to run on Siren sounded, he seemed astounded And before long, the little boy got surrounded He dropped his gun, so went the glory And this is the way I have to end this story He was only one team in a madman's dream The cop shot the kid, I still hear him scream This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh Just another case about the wrong path Straight and arrow are your soldiers Good night. Talk about the box, Rick. Talk about Rick. Ooh, ooh. Talk about the box, Rick. K-I-R-P. Good evening. It is Friday night, June 30th, 2017. You are listening to the K-I-R-P radio show. I am your guest host, Rocco P., on the KIRP radio show. The RP is not for Rocco P. It's for keeping it real. Keeping it real with Pudgy Miller. Once again, I thank Pudgy for the opportunity to have and use his platform. I deeply appreciate the liberty he has given me to use his show. As I say each month, I cannot believe another month has gone by. Time continues to fly. And this is not only the last Friday night of the month. It's the last night of the month. Tomorrow will be July. Tonight is a, kind of a special program. Uh, we, I have talked about abortion uh, to some degree before, uh, particularly from a uh, political angle. And we'll talk about a little, little bit of politics tonight. But what I really want to do, I want to give uh, an overview of the biblical basis for a why abortion is wrong. I want to talk about the political solutions that we've heard discussed that normally so-called conservatives, uh, people that would gravitate towards the so-called right of the political spectrum, they've basically been, in my opinion, uh, sold a false bill of goods as far as how to politically uh, really stop abortion. 
And then I like to talk with uh, with my friend Andrew Rappaport uh, about in the trenches about how some Christians, too, unfortunately, uh, whether they're misguided or intentionally deceiving people, some Christians, unfortunately, are pursuing some uh, solutions in the political realm that uh, just are not, uh, let's just not effective and it's not biblical. We'll get into that. But the uh, if if you have heard anyone's listening to this tends to be would be more of a, a social conservative paleo conservative type person. The question could be raised, you know, why why do Christians oppose abortion? Okay, why would they oppose abortion? And the uh, the basic answer is always because Christians would oppose murder, and abortion in particular is murder of innocent lives. You could look at you know, the, the Greek word for baby is the same in the womb as out of the womb. I mean, there's an abundant amount of biblical evidence that, that would show that uh, life in the womb, life begins at conception, therefore terminating life in the womb. Some people talk about pregnancy termination. That's a euphemism. It's a euphemism. Uh, that's abortion, and, and that's murder. I'm going to quote from, uh, from a piece that's helpful on Bible.org, what the Bible says about abortion, what the Bible says about abortion, and you find that at Bible.org. Just search for abortion, a bunch of wealth of uh, materials there and articles. Abortion, the medical definition, abortion is the extraction or expulsion of the immature human fetus from the mother's womb with the intent to end the life of that fetus prior to natural birth. Fetus is a perfectly good medical term as long as you remember that it refers to a developing human baby. But you will never hear abortion advocates speak of it as a baby or a child, sometimes even call it the product of conception or a piece of tissue. Yes, I've, I've heard that since the 80s. It's, it's just a mass of tissue. It's potentiality. It's potentiality. Have you noticed how often the news refers to anti-abortion activists, not pro-life activists? And, and on a personal note, I'd say, I wouldn't mind if they were consistent if they just call everyone that likes abortion as pro-abortion, not pro-choice, which they're talking about pro-choice to kill. Uh, media obviously doesn't talk about, uh, they don't like to say pro-life activist or right-to-life right activist, and they refer to those advocating baby killing as pro-choice or defenders of abortion rights. How did we ever come to think that we have an inherent right to kill our children? Of course, many abortion advocates argue that it is not a human baby that they are killing, but science is against them. And then I, as I interrupt the, the article I'm reading, this this is an argument that is pretty open in Western Europe. And many people would say, you know, Western Europe is further down the pike. They're closer towards complete social destruction in the United States. The United States is, is heading in that direction, but uh, they're, they're basically they're, they're ahead of us. So for years in Western Europe... They openly have admitted abortions murder, but because there's still a modicum or you know, still the residual influence of uh, Christianity in the states, that that argument isn't popular. So they do have to continue to pretend that it's a massive tissue, not a child. Getting back to that article, before conception, there is not a new human life, but at the moment of conception, there is new life possessing 46 chromosomes distinct from both the mother and the father. Genetically, the baby is not the mother's body. By 21 days, the first heartbeats have begun. At 45 days, brain waves can be detected. I think this is an older piece. I think it's even sooner now. 
by the ninth and tenth weeks, the thyroid and adrenal glands are functioning. By 12 or 13 weeks, the baby has fingernails, sucks his thumb, recalls from pain, has his own unique fingerprints. The only things that the only things that developing life needs to become what we are are time and nurture. And along those lines, too, what's happened? This piece, I think, was from. Let me check the date here, so I will not guesstimate. The date of this piece, just a few years back, was 2004. Okay, so it is so it's over a decade old. But now, what what we really see in the broader culture, a lot of younger people are becoming pro-life because of the uh, sonograms. The sonograms are so much more detailed and uh, just uh, explicit and just just show more that it is a baby in the womb. So really that technology has, has really, really helped uh, people understand that abortion is wrong, that, that it, is a, it is a child in the womb. It's not a choice. It's not potentiality. It's not a, it's not a mass of tissues. So, some brief biblical arguments, and I'm sure Andrew, Andrew may add more to this. Human life is unique in that God created us in his image. The Bible forbids us from shedding innocent blood. Prenatal human life where life in the womb is fully human and thus precious to God. To view babies as, as inconvenient to the point of killing them is to violate Jesus' view of children, among other things that Jesus would believe. To kill babies in the womb is an attempt, in an attempt to avoid suffering is to try to dodge God's purposes for suffering. And that's a, that 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 last point. That is true. And the you know, people that would believe in the doctrines of grace and God's sovereignty, you know, that would resonate with them. Uh, the idea that you could just avoid suffering. And it's also, of course, horrifically selfish. I was speaking with one person when uh, I was involved more in the Republican Party since then I've repented. Now, I'm still Republican. I'm kind of a Republican in name only in that uh, – yeah, I'm not really putting my time as an activist in party partisan activities anymore. But I remember when I met a Ron Paul person, uh, and uh, that's where when I really re-entered the Republican Party due to Ron Paul's influence. I was speaking with someone who was uh, lost, not a believer, and also pro-abortion, but a Ron Paul. I was walking through the argument as far as the science, and of course I didn't uh, shy away from sharing my faith. I don't. I think it's the wrong approach when Christians will say. Well, you know, we can't use the Bible because they're rejecting the the Bible's true whether people believe it or not. That's what presuppositional apologetics is about. Presuppositional apologetics. You identify their presuppositions and expose them. You don't deny yours, which is true, because all people were created in the image and likeness of God, even if they deny Him. But I was, I was arguing with this person, and uh, yeah, I, I laid out the arguments. You know, it's it's life in the womb. It's separate. Uh, you know, brain waves detected this and that. And he he conceded. He conceded that, and he goes. The way he viewed abortion, and this this blew me away. He said, I see it as justified homicide. I see it as justified homicide. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, horrifically evil and wicked. So on the one hand, you could commend someone that admits it's murder, but on the other hand, that's completely horrible that they're saying it's justified. Again, because of this horribly selfish view, horribly selfish view, well, the parents would not be able to take care of the child, the mother would be too young, and this or that. It either is life or it isn't. If a life's involved, you can't justify snuffing it out. You can't do that. The political response really has been, uh, in the broad culture, has been, I believe, completely misguided and ineffective. And what a lot of people do is they will look at Roe versus Wade, which made abortion on demand illegal. 
Roe versus Wade made abortion on demand illegal. That was that decision was made in January 22nd, 1973. And I just want to park on, on this uh, on this a little bit before Andrew comes on on the show, and that's this: uh, the Supreme Court, the way the federal system is set up, three branches of government. If you remember that in school. And a lot of what they taught, taught us in school wasn't true. The three branches was true. But what they said about the branches wasn't completely accurate or thorough. But three branches at the federal level, okay, you have a judicial, uh, Supreme Court, and federal courts, a legislative, Congress, two houses, Senate, and the House of Representatives, and the executive branch, the president. Over time, uh, I've said this on other shows before, the Executive branches, we basically have a de facto dictator. That's been the case in the United States since World War II. It's real. That's, I'm not going to go through that tonight. But uh, this idea, the executive powers and what a president can do, is completely aligned to the Constitution, which is still, incidentally, the highest law of the land. Getting back to Roe versus Wade, the, the concept, the way they brainwashed the general populace and said the same many, many Christians is that people think if the Supreme Court makes a decision that becomes law. Have you heard that? The Supreme Court has ruled. You might have heard that with Obamacare. It, it, it's decided Obamacare is legal because Supreme Court decided it's a tax. So they get tax. And really, really basic constitutional position is this. Okay, The federal government was uh, existed for certain purposes. Before in the show, the enumerated purposes, Article, uh, Article 2. Right, Article Two. They can only about depending on how you define it, about thirty purposes that the Congress could have those enumerated functions. Enumerated, which they could only make laws based upon those thirty purposes. All right. The purpose of Supreme Court would be to say if they believe something was or wasn't right. That does not mystically become law. Then, if then the Congress agrees, then they would change the law. Okay, this is stuff they don't teach us in school. Uh, it's, it's really that simple, and it makes sense. You, you think about the court doesn't make law; the, the court the court interprets law. It doesn't make law; it doesn't make law. But they've taught us. They brainwash. Say, well, Supreme Court rules, and they say rule, not a decision. They love that word. Supreme Court has ruled Obamacare is legal because it's tax. Right? Supreme Court has ruled abortion is legal. Uh, really? Uh, no, they made those opinions, and Congress. If Congress followed the Constitution, would then have to change the laws. So, first off, this this idea that you know the Supreme Court has the has the authority to make law is completely erroneous. Second, Supreme Court ruled major basis on Supreme Court ruling in Roe versus Wade is that it was based upon the right to privacy, so it didn't even deal with the right to life. Okay, it, it was absurd. And then third, and we'll get into this a little bit later, the states have the power to nullify or interpose any federal law that lacks constitutional basis. Okay, you catch that? The states have the power to nullify or interpose, interpose in other words, to stand, the state's job, according to the Constitution, is to stand between the federal government and the people of their state when the federal government exerts powers that are, that are unconstitutional. All right? And if you think that's impossible, okay, you go to a place like Oregon where marijuana is legal. All right, that violates federal law. Didn't stop Oregon from passing those laws. Okay, uh, in the case of abortion, Oklahoma last year 
came very close to passing a law that would have made abortion illegal in the state of Oklahoma. And this is where the real political activism should occur, at the state level, not the federal level. Because, again, I could read a piece that I wrote had time later, but Roe versus Wade, in my opinion, will never be overturned. The powers that be keep us fighting that because it is a loser's battle. Uh, of the five, Roe versus Wade, incidentally, was a five. Uh, there were seven justices, five to two ruled that abortion was legal based upon the right to privacy. And, again, here's another thing as far as, as far as jurisdiction, the original intent of the Constitution. If the Supreme Court wanted to rule like that, fine. Okay, and again, I'd say it was, it's also immoral based upon the core value, the, the core uh, truth of right to life. But if they ruled that, at best what they should have done is said it's a state matter. You, you, you catch that. At best, they should have said, well, then states could. Because to this day, from 1973 through today, 44, 44 odd years later, if the states decided on this, you'd only have abortion legal in a few states. You have abortion legal in New York. Uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, uh, California, Colorado, handful of the vast majority of the 50 states would make it illegal. But again, they have us playing, they have us playing their game of this federal supremacy, which is completely immoral and illegitimate. We're going to take a brief, brief break here uh, for a moment or two, then bring back Andrew Rappaport of Striving for Eternity, Eternity Ministries, Striving for Eternity. And we will take that break now. How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide, or death by government, has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century, government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR. 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany, nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism, nearly 6 million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government, 2 million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on and on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. As an American citizen. As a patriot. For your children. Enough of the people laying down and letting government <coughs> kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. <coughs> it's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the <coughs> Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. <laughs> you 
You listened to KIRP Radio Show last Friday, Nights of the Month with Rocco P. And we are discussing abortion, the Bible, and political activism. Andrew Rappaport of Striving for Eternity Ministries, are you there? Yeah, how you doing, Rocco? Good. Good to hear your voice, my friend. Yeah. How things been in uh, in the Garden State there? Uh, liberal. <laughs> liberal. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not there. Living, at least, I love to visit. But I'm glad because uh, I like these things called firearms, and for some other reasons, I'd prefer to not reside in New Jersey. So. Uh, yeah, when my my son in, moved out to Texas, when my son uh, moved out to Texas, he was surprised to see people that carried guns. I said, "Welcome yeah. to America." Yeah, a lot of states are open carry. I think they only Texas was weird. I think they only became open carry recently. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, most states are open carry. We're open carry in this state. That creates some problems sometimes. Normally, you have some boneheaded activist that will dress, you know, really shabbily and carry guns. But the ones that are smart that want to basically win public opinion and not alienate people will dress very well and carry a firearm. And a lot of people will think it's an off-duty policeman anyhow. But uh, that's the way to basically uh, win that in uh, in the public realm, not to uh, dress like a bum or a degenerate and uh, carry, carry, <laughs> carry a firearm. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Uh, been talking about about uh, abortion, and uh, again, I talked a little bit about mentioned the Bible, mentioned Roe versus Wade. I think it's the wrong strategy, but I don't know where you want to take this as far as you want to review, review some of the biblical articles before we talk about your friends at AHA. <laughs> well, you know, I, I want to read a, a quote that uh, Jordan Hall came out with yesterday, really okay. discussing some of the political nature that people have toward President Trump, but. It was just an interesting insight he had. He said, a nation that has enshrined abortion and legalized age-based murder is morally outraged that the president is discourteous. I think that really gets kind of interesting. Everyone's so, oh, this president, he's just not nice. You're murdering infants in the womb. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no, I, 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 I appreciate, I appreciate JD. Uh, he, he, uh, he banned me from, uh, from uh, the pulpit bunker on Facebook because I, I accidentally, inadvertently uh, blocked the uh, an administrator. But I, I, pre- I appreciate what he has to say. The whole thing about the uh, propriety and the crude. I mean, obviously, you know, Trump is crude. You and I are from New Jersey. Uh, we knew about Trump. Yeah, you know, for years before he ran for president, but uh, again, He's the videos are out New there. We could see him dread. Well, yeah, I mean, you could you could see Metro New York, New Jersey, you know, Northern New Jersey, obviously being an extension culturally of uh, Metro New York, Southern New Jersey, Metro Philly. But you could, the videos are out there. I mean, when the guys in in the tuxedo dropping dropping f bombs behind the podium, I mean, it's just this is who Donald Trump is. But yeah, the the whole outrage. I mean, that's part of the broader game of the mind control with us. It's just like. I don't know where you are with, with a lot of the war stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm generally anti-war. I take a view, kind of like the Augustinian view of just war. And, uh, you know, people get outraged or this or that about what the president says. It's like, whether it's Obama or Trump, we still got these things called called drones. 
we're still killing some, killing innocent people abroad. And you know, left, right, mm-hmm. no one talks about that. But nah, you know, Trump, Trump says something crude. No, nah, no, nah, that's uh, mentions mentions about uh, someone on the air, MSNBC, Mia Brzezinski. Oh, yeah, she was bleeding when she had her last facelift. That's horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. But it's okay to kill people with drones. That, that's not a big thing. <laughs> you know, it's it's really interesting because one of the things that I often bring up is the issue of slavery. And when I'm uh, outside of a murder mill or what they'd call abortion clinic, um, basically I'm going to bring to attention the issue of slavery to their, their death escorts. The death escorts are those people that they now have mm-hmm. volunteers to protect the women's ears so that they don't hear the truth about what's going to happen inside, that they're going to kill a child. To protect their their innocent ears, of course, so they have to have volunteers to to escort them in. But I'll often ask them, is slavery wrong, and why is it wrong? And I'll get them to commit to saying that slavery is wrong because it is wrong to own another person, to say you have ownership of another human being. And I keep pushing it till I get them to commit to that issue because once they commit to that issue – they don't even realize they just gave up their argument for abortion because once they commit to that issue and I'll pretend as if I'm arguing for slavery and giving reasons why slavery was good. And, and most people, you know, not all slavery was, was right. as vicious as it could have been. Right. Uh, but the, but the reality is, is I'm against slavery, but I'm going to argue it for this reason. Once they commit to saying, that it's wrong to say that you own another person, that you can't say, this is my property. Then I ask them, you tell me what the difference is between this is my property and this is my body. There is no yeah. difference. In fact, there is oh, yeah. a difference. Yeah. The difference is slavery didn't always end in murder. Yep. No, it's, a, it's it's a good point. I mean, as far as you know, two things I, I'd interject. Uh, down near where I live, you know, my church is part of uh, what we'll do uh, abortion protest uh, once a week, voluntary basis, of course. You know, with with another church, and uh, they, as far as you know, the the the, uh, the death course, he said, what they did is that some some atheist group came out, and then. They uh, they basically were countering protesting us. Yeah, you know, they were just being you know really obnoxious for a while, and then they kind of ran out of gas and they built a fence. So then, if people are preaching and stuff, that so that there's a barrier. So, so yeah, it's it's more difficult for them to hear us and see us. I mean, they still see us going in, but it, it's just amazing. Again, if you think about traditional liberalism, you know Thomas Jefferson, uh, classical liberalism, you'd say. The idea that you know people would have a discourse, they would be able to present different viewpoints and you know fight it out, so to speak, in in, in a verbal way, in an intellectual fashion. And now it's become that if you say something political correctness, if you say something that's wrong, it's happened now, as you know, all over college campuses. Then that becomes hate speech, and then you're banned. So they really they don't want a debate because we'd win it. I think the approach with slavery is good, but it goes back partly to what I said, what I said in the intro. If, if uh, you came in, uh, if you were listening, and that's that for years people lie in the states because there's still enough residual Christian influence, moral influence in the country. It's not popular 
to say abortion is murder. So they pretend and say, well, it's just cells. It's just a mass. But of course, it is a human life, and they know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you brought up some of the issue of brainwaves, things like that. But uh, Randy Alcorn has a really good book, actually a couple of books on the issue. And one of them is written more toward Christians, but one written more toward the unbeliever. And he, he points out all the scientific evidence, like the fact that different DNA. You have a totally yeah. different person. You have brainwaves. You, you have all this stuff. So I think scientifically where they're going to try to argue they lose, biblically – They've lost completely. Um, you, know, right. you and I being presuppositionalists, God exists. He has spoken. There, we don't give up on those things. So God's made it clear that he created the individual person in the womb. And so that answers it. The, the question yeah. that uh, has to be asked is, you know, uh, what is it? What's in the womb? Is it a child yeah. or is it not? And yeah. You know, you don't find anyone that can argue that it's not a human being. Well, you know, but they, they right. want to. They, can, they, they, can, they continue lying. You know that you go back to presupposition. I mean, they just it's it it goes back to like you know the the uh, the whole idea with evolution and uh, morality is that people want to pretend that whatever whatever you know cosmological argument you have everything came from nothing whatever nonsense you know random choice you know and obviously you push them you know where the eternal matter come from but they're all just devices to deny man's responsibility because once obviously you admit there's creator then you're accountable to him and they don't want to and it's the same thing with abortion once you admit even if you're not an atheist if you if you want to lie to yourself and say well it's a mass of cells it's potential life it's not life it's absurd. And they, of course, they know they're lying, but a lot of them, again, because we still have that, I think, that residual Christian influence in the culture, they they can't just say, like in Western Europe, which is further down the pike, they can't just say, yeah, yeah, it's murder. It's justifiable murder. Sure, sure it is. <laughs> well, they're starting they, they to. know it, they're of course. To. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. I mean, it's it, sad. I think it, if they do that, I think I think that helps. That helps people that cherish life win, because that's still not a popular argument. <laughs> Well, and that's why, you know, one of the things I like is if you've seen recently, there's all the guys that will be outside of a, a, an abortion clinic and they just have the signs that say babies are murdered here. I mean, that makes yeah, the point. Yeah, I mean, those, it's yeah. so clear. Yeah. And yeah. even even if they say nothing else, people driving by see that and know exactly what that means. And they know it's a yep. child. This is why. They're, the abortion clinics are so upset with ultrasounds because once a, yeah. a, a mother sees that child, it's like all the arguments that they say of tissues and cells go right out the window. So yeah, 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 yeah. Good points. Some, and again, I'm really against the incremental approach with the law because you know if we have time, we'll get into you know nullification into position you know where, where I think we could really win this rather quickly. Uh, with the right leadership, but as far as the incremental approach, North Carolina had passed a law. It was a uh, something like a, a right to wait law or something, and they had mandated that that was one thing. Any any woman getting abortion, they'd have to wait 24, 40 hours, and they'd have to they'd have to get a sonogram. So I guess I don't know if the law. I guess the law didn't say they could force them to look at it, but you figure most mothers, if they did get one, they would look at it. Well, it, you know, it was interesting that. You know, in some states, they, they pass laws requiring 
all clinics to give all all the options. So basically what they were doing was going into crisis pregnancy centers and saying, you have to, by law, explain that abortion is an option. But I didn't see anyone going in to Planned Parenthood and demanding that they teach that keeping the child is an option. Adoption is an option. I mean, they don't do that. And then they get upset when we stand outside and and explain that to people. You you mentioned just the way that they structure these abortion clinics. It's really interesting. Down in uh, Greenville, North Carolina, I'd go down there each year, and it was a stark contrast. We go to the abortion mill there, and what you have at that particular murder mill is the building is set behind a large dirt mound that they set up with a fence on top. So when we get up to, to preach, we actually have to stand on a platform that, we, that some of the guys built so that we could preach over a fence to the people. And you look at the building, it's, it's all dark. There's, there's bars on the wall, on, on the windows. And right next to it is a crisis pregnancy center. Parking lot is open right to the street. The building is bright. It's, it's welcoming. And you know, I point out, look at the two buildings, and you can see what's happening in, in both. One is offering life, and one is offering death. Yeah. Um, and, right. and the reality is, yeah, I've, 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 is that uh, yeah, that's seen it. the I've issue. Seen, people have to see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, people it's, have to uh, see that this the, is – they want to make it about, well, this is pro-choice. Yeah. I, I think that – I think in some ways – it may have been good to argue, well, we're pro-life, but really, you know, we should be saying we're against murder. I think yeah. that's what needs to be said, because that's the issue. It's it's not that we're against people's choice. You know, I fully support someone's choice not to have sex when they shouldn't be having children, <laughs> okay, when they're yeah. not married. Um, but you know, they should be making that right choice then. But once you have a child, you don't have a choice to murder it. And we have to define it as what it is. That's it's, it's, it's a good point, again, that they, they try and control the narrative. They try and control the language. Like I said, I think way meaning, you know, broadly pro-life, uh, right to life, uh, anti-murder people are winning because that's why, you know, they have to build the walls and stuff. They can't have and don't want honest discussion because I believe, you know, obviously we both believe all people are created in the image and likeness of God. Some people have, you know, seared their consciences. They did know at least at one level, at one time it was murder. And they know a lot of people coming in and going to be disturbed. And they really don't want people thinking about it too long because obviously I'm sure you've seen it too, as I have some people then turn away if they think about it. So it's... Yeah, it goes along with murder. Is oh, because uh, it's a major, main, it's a major money main activity. Maker. Yeah, it's a major line. money maker. I mean, let, let's yep. let's yep. not of course uh, yeah. fool around. I mean, the the Democrats uh, heavily support Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood heavily supports the Democrats. And oh yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, you know they make money both ways. They they make the money on the abortion, oh, yeah. and then they go right out the door and and you know sell the the child for. Uh, you know, experiments and, and but, uh, research and things like that. Oh, I, I, I you hear know? you. I, I hear you. But I, I just I just take it a step further as, as someone that's you know, been involved in partisan politics is that the Republicans 
the the two party system is kind of a, a one one act was saying that this was an ex policeman in LA. I think he used this analogy at first in a great documentary. If you get to see called America from Freedom to Fascism, America from Freedom to Fascism, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen on politics. And uh, this this the way he said the two party system because the two party system is like the Genovese the Genovese's and the Gambinos. There's two mafia families and they're having a card game. Now during the card game, someone may get shot, but the game never stops. And that's that's pretty much the two-party system where the Republicans want to convince people, especially well-meaning Christians, that they want to end abortion, but they're liars. That they, they, they don't. If they did, they could pass. Congress could easily pass a right to life amendment. There's a guy named Steve Stockman tried to do that back when he was in the Congress in 1995, and Ron Paul tried to do it repeatedly, a right to life amendment. And at the very least, that would then let the states decide. At the very least. And they can't get an up or down vote on it. It's the same thing like what happened with Obamacare. Well, they had said, "Go ahead, go ahead." Well, the reason they don't want that is because, as you said earlier in your show, if they allowed the states to make the decision, the overwhelming number of states yep. would make abortion illegal. And oh yeah, you know, Planned Parenthood I mean, would go out. Of it. I mean, it's it's here's the amazing thing. When we get into this, and this really, you know, we, we should probably get to some scripture, but one of the things is, is that what you end up seeing is you see that for a crisis pregnancy center, such as the one that I'm on the, the board of in Jersey, mm-hmm. for us to be able to do like STD testing and things like that, we have to be a full, fully licensed medical clinic. But abortion clinics, as, as happened down in Texas, they, they basically said abortion clinics who, who are doing a medical procedure, they're putting people under anesthesia, they're out, mm-hmm. and doing a medical procedure, they don't have to follow the rules of a medical clinic. But if, if a crisis pregnancy center is taking blood, they have <laughs> to be fully licensed, right? And so you sit there and go, the insanity of this and when they did this in Texas, basically every private abortion clinic closed down except for the Planned Parenthood. And the only reason they didn't was that they're funded by the government. And so yeah. you, you end up seeing in schools where if a, a girl is pregnant and she goes and tells her teacher that she's pregnant and wants an abortion, the teacher is not allowed in many states to tell the parents <laughs> As the teacher goes and takes the child to get a medical procedure. However, if you're, that same child says, I would like some aspirin, yeah. sorry, we, you know, parents need permission to give that. It's like, wait, you need permission, you need special permission for aspirin, but a medical procedure, hey, we, we're going to deny the parents from knowing that one. It tells you how really what's going on with this. It's not an honest system it, because they know what they're doing is wrong. And and that's the proof of it. The way they behave shows they know what they're doing is wrong. They know it's wrong, but of they don't care. They, 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 their heart is dark. Of course not. No, of course not. And that's, it gets down to, like I said, we'll get back to the Bible. It gets down to, you know, you have unregenerate man who they basically, they don't gravitate towards the light because they know they know what their deeds are. They know their deeds are evil. I just say, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. It's just the, you know, the political view the bigger political point is that the Republicans uh, could defund Planned Parenthood, and they never do. They're liars. They don't. They refuse to do it. You look at what happened with Obamacare. It's a great illustration. When Obama was president, they knew it would be vetoed, 
they voted, don't quote me on this, I think it was up to 30 times to to basically repeal all or parts of Obamacare. Then when they have a chance, when they control both the House and the Senate, and now Trump or Republicans in the White House, they don't get a clean repeal. And some of them even admitted that they were arrogant enough. Some Republicans even said, you get this article, you can pull, pull it up on the Intercept, the Intercept. And uh, some of them even were arrogant enough to even say, oh, yeah, well, it's, it's different now because it really counts. So you know, this idea, and again, a lot of Christians are bought into it. It's like, well, you gotta, you got to support Republicans because, you know, the pro-life. It's like, no, 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 the rhetoric is pro-life, but they're wicked, filthy liars just like the Democrats, and they just take advantage of their constituents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that I like – the states that are trying to pass laws to identify abortion as murder and oh, yeah. to repeal it immediately and, and yeah. to classify it as, as murder to put an immediate uh, end to it. It, it, it could be done. It, it, is, it really is that simple, as I explained. It's, it's enshrined in the Constitution. Jefferson talked about this uh, you know, in detail, uh, as, did, uh, as did Adams. And it's, I mean, Matt, James Madison, excuse me. And some people called it nullification. The better term is more often called interposition. It's the idea, again, that because Congress only has enumerated functions, if the federal government, again, in our U.S. history, the, the Articles of Confederation had a lot punier federal government. It was really better. It was a better document. <laughs> but when, when the Constitution passed, they had these huge debates because you had the anti-federalist people like Patrick Henry out to be a believer. And they said, no, no, why, why, hold, slow down. Why are we giving this, this federal government, why, you know, we had this thing on the Articles Confederation that worked. Why are we now giving them more powers? And you had the people that want their much stronger central government like Hamilton would say, no, no, well, you don't have to worry about it at all, sir, because if it's not written down, it's not going to be done. And the response to the anti-federalist was, we don't trust you. So this is stuff they don't teach us in school. The only reason the Constitution got ratified by the states, they debated this in detail. It's all, it's all out there, like in North Carolina and elsewhere, the state ratifications. The only reason it got passed is because they promised the Bill of Rights. What were the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights are all negative affirmations. In other words, when people say we talk about the Second Amendment rights, it's a little fuzzy because they're trying to say some people mean that their right is because it's, it's in the Second Amendment. All, all the Bill of Rights is... Negative affirmation is basically you're saying, look, you have a federal government, and we want to be real clear that there's certain areas the federal government can never touch. They can never touch religion. They can never touch the right to keep and bear arms. So <laughs> when states come out and they basically say, like weed, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm against the war on drugs. I don't use weed. I never will. But uh, it's not in the Constitution. You know, we had to have in this country, we had to pass an amendment to make a board to make alcohol illegal. And then they, they repealed the, uh, they repealed prohibition. They never. There's no federal basis. There's no base in the Constitution for any all these federal drug laws. But the case in point, marijuana is a great example. Oregon and other states have made it legal. You don't see federal troops attacking Oregon. So a lot of people that lie and that they don't want to interpose against the federal government and simply make abortion illegal, they lie and they say, oh, well, that's going to lead to lead the civil war. It's like no. no, no. The federal government does not want to do that because if they became that militant, that would wake a lot of people up to how complete, completely corrupt the two-party system is. So they like they like the slow burn of what they're doing. Uh, they destroy the middle class, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So and I, I agree with you 100%. All 
we, and we almost got it done, mean pro-life people, we almost got it done in Oklahoma last year. Once one state does that, when they have enough principal leadership, it'll be the floodgates will open because then all the people like lie in North Carolina, I mentioned that because I live here, all, all the people that lie to the Christians in particular and say, oh, no, that can't be done. They're going to say, well, Alabama just made abortion illegal. Yeah. Or Oklahoma just did. And then, yeah, it'll yeah. never stop. And that's why they spend a lot of time and money bringing in big guns. Like it almost happened in Missouri with federal gun laws. They almost kicked out the BATFE. A lot of people don't realize this country did not license gun owners until the 60s. <laughs> yeah. It's a very modern concept. Well, you know, and it's, it's not constitutional. <laughs> no, it's, it's not constitutional. But here's the thing. You know, where I have a big issue as a Christian is I see a lot of people that that do one of two things. One, either they think that the only solution to this is politics, and they put all of their faith and trust in politicians to put a stop to it. Yep. Now, granted, politicians are the ones that make the laws, not as you as you rightly said. It's 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 not the Supreme Court. But they're supposed to interpret the law. But so one issue is we have Christians that are putting faith in politicians and not Christ as King. And the the other thing is the the real solution that we as Christians should be about is the gospel. You know yeah. how many abortions have I stopped? I have no idea. I don't know how many people I have shared Christ with. They've become Christian, and they didn't have sex outside of marriage and got themselves in a position where they would even think about having an abortion. That's Amen. the thing. You know, Amen. the gospel is the, I mean, look, politicians will follow whatever they think the crowd wants. And so when, when you had in the early foundings of this country, you had guys like Thomas Jefferson or, you know, Franklin, and, and they clearly were not Christian. But they short sure talked no. like one. Why? Because no. they knew they had to. You know, if, if Christians were out sharing the gospel and people were coming to Christ, politicians would pretend to be Christian. Oh, wait, they already do that. But they would, <laughs> they would pretend even more and speak well, the, as the, if they were Christian yeah. because they would have to to get votes. Yeah, the, the, the problem so is I, now, I, I really it's think 20, the solution I, I is the gospel. Well, no, it, it, no it's, it's obviously the gospel never goes away regardless of the political system. You're under the Great Commission never goes away. It's always in effect until Christ returns. But the thing you said about politicians, they pretend, and you see it, it is today, but the problem is today, sad to say, because the professing church, their discernment and morality is so low, it's a lot easier for politicians yes. to pretend that they're believers. <laughs> As we have to church, oh, yeah, I pure. Mean, it, it'd be more difficult, but now it's so easy. As someone, someone like Ted Cruz carries a Bible. <laughs> we, we, you know, well, I mean, uh, just look at Trump. I mean, you know, he he goes out there and says he's a Christian. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Bill, Clinton, Bill Clinton said he know, was an evangelical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 I mean, Obama so always said he was Bible, a Muslim, brother. and then he realized he slipped and said he was Christian. Yeah. But, but you know, Obama, I mean, the reality is Obama was proud of the CIA. But yeah, that 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 is awesome when you look at his life. I mean, that yeah, he, he was in he was in that school in uh, what what where what, what, Indonesia? That that is amazing. When you Indonesia. Look at who he was. That's just yeah. That's just that's that's just amazing. 
It's amazing. Well, uh, you know, see, the reality the reality is is that we have a lot of people who have their faith in the wrong thing to to be a solution to this issue. I mean, yeah. I do think, as far as political activism goes, if people want to be politically active, especially on this issue, they should be active at their with their Congress, with their senators, and trying to get laws on the books that would call abortion murder. They should be doing yeah. that as the political activism side. But as Christians, that's not where we end it, and that's actually not where we yeah. start it. I mean, we start and end with the gospel, and we, sh- we should be politically active. I mean, there is this notion that drives me nuts that so many people have that Christians should just be in the church and not heard. It's, it's really yeah. – <laughs> to go back to the 60s with the homosexual movement mm-hmm. and now the LGBTQRSF, you know – movement um they used to say hey you know just let us do what we want in our bedrooms let us alone in our bedrooms and and people said you but you're not going to keep it there and we see no they didn't and now what they want to do is say no you guys we want to shove you into the bedrooms or into the church and say you can only you can only voice your opinion there and it's like no no we we have an opinion that should be voiced in public, and that opinion is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which transforms hearts, which takes sinners who hate God and are murderers at heart, and in some cases with abortion, actual murderers, and, and forgives them, gives them a clean heart, a new, creates a new creation. That's the gospel, and that transforms lives. That's the no, real I, solution. Amen. amen. Amen, amen. No, I, I agree with you that, that there's two tracks. I mean, the Great Commission, again, there's no off switch, uh, regardless of political or social situation. You know, Christ said, uh, until he returns, you know, hell, you know, what do you do? Uh, preach, teach, baptize, uh, until he returns. And, of course, we know baptizes, uh, believers, baptism by immersion. Uh, but, yeah, it never stops. And once you do that, as you said, then the person will live differently. Someone gets born again, they are going to be a better husband. They're going to be a better father. They're going to be a better worker. Uh, so there's no doubt. And political activism, too. To, to me, again, I, I think we're, we're generally on, on, on the same track. It's a lot of the federal stuff is complete waste. It, ta- it takes way too much money to run for Congress, and it's not a federal solution. Like I said before, it's, it's, it really bothers me whether someone's pro-life activists, whether they're saved or lost, a lot of people just believe in this you know, Roe returning Roe versus Wade, and it's completely misguided. I don't believe it's ever going to happen. The real action's at the state level. It costs less to run at the state level, and yeah, states like Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, they've made a lot of progress in, in these areas. I mean, uh, Alabama had passed the law a couple of years back. It said it was great because if you followed the illegal immigration debate, uh, the feds would basically come down in the states and say, oh, well, you can't enforce federal laws, which was insane. But they said, they say, it's not your jurisdiction. So Alabama got smart, and they said, and again, this was all like anything that really happens. The grassroots basically has to get organized and then beat up people in office <laughs> to get things done. <coughs> they worked, excuse me, they worked on this legislation. They passed a very simple law in Alabama said this. If you use a government school, public school in Alabama, you have to prove that you're a citizen. That wonderfully made the illegal self-deport from Alabama. Now, after that happened, the federal government 
you know, stuck their, stuck their nose in it and said, well, they didn't have jurisdiction to do that, that that, that law is illegal. Of course, it wasn't. But the point is, the people, illegals, had already self-deported from Alabama before it happened. But, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, brother. Uh, yeah, it's not just politics. And if it is politics, you should fight at the right level, at the state level. And, uh, again, it's not in one sense, it's not just the gospel. In other words, to clarify... Or I think you're saying the gospel, the obligation to help fulfill the Great Commission never goes away. That applies to all Christians. Not all Christians are called to political activism. I don't see that in Scripture. But for those who are, you know, fight, you know, be shrewd, you know, what does the Bible say? Be harmless, you know, be harmless as doves, but what as wise as what? Yeah, well, you're, you're, sir, you make a good point because, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, is that a lot of people uh, will make the mistake of thinking that everybody should be about the the business of ending abortion and doing it either in a, the political realm uh, or as some groups do, they blame the church for abortion yeah. being legal. So the, the, the thing though is, is that we, we have to be sharing the gospel as Christians. But as you mentioned earlier, if if Roe versus Wade was overturned, all it means is it's a state issue. It just overturns it at a federal level. And we should overturn Roe versus Wade. We should want that overturned in the sense that now it becomes a state issue, which is going to be a lot easier to fight. Excuse me. Yeah. And so I, I think, though, you're right. If you want to overturn it politically, it has to be done at a, at a state level. And, you know, we've seen a lot of groups that try different things to to overturn uh, Roe versus Wade to try to force the politics of it. It's it's an interesting thing because, you know, Roe versus Wade stated that a heartbeat was the determination of life, which at that time was only detectable in the third trimester, where now uh, a heartbeat is detected within the first few weeks I think it's yeah. like the, the, the sixth or, or, or seventh week you can start de- detecting a heart rate, a heartbeat. And so Roe versus Wade would declare that illegal after just a few weeks. Um, yeah, but there's, you know, there's, but there's people no don't care. Yeah. They just my, right. Yeah. My, my my whole point is is just this is as far you know we'll get back to we'll we'll take a break, get back to the Bible, and then get and then talk about EHA hopefully. But my point is just just politically as a strategy, they've lied. They love to give us false solutions because the whole two-party system is basically the same interests control both parties at the top. So the rhetoric is different, and that's why that's why things never really change. Again, Obamacare is a great example. They vote to repeal it when Obama is they know Obama is in office and he would then veto it. Then when they get a chance, they refuse a clean repeal. The, the thing with abortion is this simply. The this, the uh, decision Roe versus, Roe versus Wade, five of the justices voted for it, two against it. They were all, you know, f- five were Republicans, I believe. I could pull, I got, I got that. I pulled it up there. I wrote a piece a couple of years back. Uh, it was, re- it was, vet, it was majority Republican opinion that had voted for abortion. So then you look at all the justices appointed by Reagan in eight years, Bush. Bush, uh, number one, HW, four years, W, eight years. It's a losing battle plus this. They lie to us and they say, well, they create the impression that you can only appoint a justice when one dies or passes away. Complete lie. The Constitution puts no limit. So if someone like W was real, George W. Bush, 
he just would have made a recess appointment of you know five or ten, and then that would have forced an up or down vote. But they don't want it to go away. They're liars. They don't want it to go away. That's why they won't pass at the federal level a right to life act, which would then immediately it would be challenged, but it could work. And like I said, the real thing, the real like that's stale. But I'm just saying the real battle, if you want to fight it, is that it's a losing battle to say, okay, well I'm going to vote for Trump or whoever, and he's going to appoint people and eventually get overturned. Ain't happening. Ain't ain't ain't, yeah. ain't happening. Yeah. Ain't, I don't see it ever happening. So losing bad, and we don't need it to happen because, because that, as you mm-hmm. said, in terms of the substance of the law, and I would say the basis of the law, it was an illegal rule. Uh, it was an illegal ruling anyhow. <laughs> should should yeah. never should never been made. They're just beyond their jurisdiction. It was it was mind numbing. Uh, they overextended the federal boundary. But let, let's let's take a break, my brother, and let's come back. Uh, let's talk about some Bible. Give me some Bible, and let's talk about AHA. All right. Sure. You're listening to KRP Radio Show. Last Friday night's Rock OP. We will be right back. Hey, Cam, thanks a lot for coming to my school today. No problem, Nate. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? And I'll grow up to be big and strong like you. Absolutely. I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. And be dressing number one. Maybe. And become a starting quarterback of the Panthers. Okay. You can be my backup. Excuse me? And make Panthers fans forget about you. And become your mom's favorite player? Whoa. 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every 110 children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at 800 442 2762. Again, that's 800-442-2762. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. You're listening to the KRP Radio Show last Friday night with Rocco P. Special guest, Andrew Rappaport, striving for eternity ministries. So, my friend, uh, let's uh, please, please give me some scripture and let's talk about your friends at AJ. <laughs> <laughs> you keep saying my friends. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, want to be gracious. That... <laughs> the, uh, you know, scripture does speak about the fact that God formed us in the womb. He, he speaks that he knows us. I mean, you could see John the Baptist, he, he mentions having, you know, a knowledge of, of God, even from the womb, which is, you know, one of the things that we have to realize that God himself, now when we say that, keep in mind, <clears throat> uh, this is the one who knows everything. So he knows better than all those scientific Amen. type people that claim they know things and those Amen. doctors who say they understand medicine. We're, we're talking about the person that actually created everything from nothing and knows everything to, to be known. <laughs> and so he says that while we're in the womb, we are people. We are human beings. We have a consciousness. He knows us from the womb. And so 
you end up seeing right from that that God makes it clear that a child in the womb is a human being. And, and so the rights and laws come into effect. And in fact, and you and I were talking about this verse uh, before the show, but Exodus 21, uh, 22 and 23, it, it says, um, uh, when, a man, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her child come so that her child come out but there is no harm the one who hit her shall shortly be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him and he shall pay the judgment as the judge determines but if there is harm then he shall pay life for life so what does god say to the israelites as a law he says that if, you, if two men are fighting with one another and one of them, whether accidentally or purposely, you know, hits a pregnant woman, maybe they're, they're fighting and one falls back and, and hits the woman and she gives birth to a child. If, if the child is born and no harm is done, then the, the husband will deter, determine a fine that has to be paid. But if there is harm, in other words, if that child is, is born dead – because of that incident, then the guy who struck the pregnant woman pays with his life. Why does he pay for it with his life? He shall pay life for life. What does God say about that child in the womb? It's a life. And, and we see that in, in the laws in our country. I don't know if you remember, and I'm forgetting the case, the name of the case, but there was a guy, he killed his pregnant wife, and they put him up for double murder for the life of the child in the womb and for his wife, and it became a major issue. Why? Because if he was on trial for double life, as we have all over the land, mm-hmm. then they were like, wait, that's saying that the child in the womb was actually a child and had a life, and how do you justify abortion in a case like that? And that's the whole point. God says very clearly that a child in the womb is a life, and that if you end that life, you pay with your life. It's a murder. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, we could uh, talk about the difference between uh, uh, the Hebrew Scriptures and uh, the New Testament, but... Yeah, that moral imperative is clear. I mean, uh, it's there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, okay, so you're, you're bringing up a, an issue for some of us. You know, I would see many of the laws for Israel as laws for the nation of Israel. But there's plenty of things that you see in this case. Moses is not writing this because God is telling him this is a law just for Israel. Because the, the, the child in the womb doesn't stop becoming a life if they're outside of Israel. Okay, so this is a universal thing. And when yes, we and interpret the scripture, you, you know, I would we say it's transdispensational. Absolutely. It's transdispensational. Yeah. yeah, I would say it's universal. It's, it's something that's, that's yes. true for all generations, all people everywhere. And it's beyond dispensational. It's absolutely yes. that way. Yeah. I, 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 hear, I, I hear you when. When uh, did you have any other verses before we get into some of the activism stuff and the wrong approach to this? 
No, I, I mean, I think, I, I think that the issue is quite clear in Scripture. And it's the reason, as, as you said in the very beginning of the show, you said that people want to say, look, just put your Bible aside and then let's talk about this issue. And, and as presuppositionalists, no, we don't do that. No. We're not going to no. say, let's put the Bible aside. It's like, oh, let's put aside the only thing that's true and can give us an absolute answer from the one who knows everything. Yeah, let's put that aside and talk in our ignorance. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. You know, the Bible, they, they want you to do that because they know that the Bible is very clear on this issue, that life begins at conception. And with that, once there is conception, it's a life, and you don't take that life. If you if you take that life, it's murder. Amen. And Amen. I know so a lot of people same get thing. upset with no, A lot of people either, get upset with it. You know, life begins you conception, have, or it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you are the doctor that's doing the abortion, you're committing murder. But look, it, this sounds horrible in our culture, but if you're the mother – that's going to the doctor, you're an accessory to murder. Of course. You know what you're doing. Of course. You know, now, I, 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 whenever I say that, I have to clarify because there's many women who have had abortions because they believe the lies of the culture. And in believing those lies, there is a huge amount of guilt that women have who committed, had abortions, committed this murder, and they feel guilt over it. But the thing is, is this is why we need to present the gospel, because God can forgive that. He can forgive a guy like Paul, who knowingly killed Christians in his zealousness for Judaism, and God can forgive him. He can forgive a mother who brought herself to, to have her child killed in a clinic, whether she knew it was murder or just was actually believing what was told of her. And, and that's the thing. God can offer the forgiveness. And there's so many – you could look at the statistics. So many women who have abortions, and you see them highly likely to turn to drugs and suicide and all this different stuff because they can't deal with the guilt. Well, the way you deal with the guilt is, is you come to the cross, and, and this is why they want you to throw out the Bible. I mean, it, I think the most offensive thing that I had ever seen was when Planned Parenthood had a promotion of ways for girls, teenage girls, to celebrate their abortion. Like you can carry a pin with some stupid slogan on it. And like to, to have a celebration day to celebrate your murder of your child. It, it is – that's just – you, you, I don't know how you get more disgusting than that. I mean, it's like yeah, you know, we can look take, at Old uh, Testament take times the shame. Yeah, take, offer their children take the to, shame to what they should be ashamed of. Yeah, the, I, I I appreciate what you said as far as you know, not 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 discarding or uh, relegating scripture, and uh, it's just like the same thing with the gospel in general. You know, whether you know you're you're trying to explain if you just isolate you know the the issue of abortion obviously you want to bring the gospel into it if you had that opportunity but with the gospel in general some well-meaning christians just think well you have to have common ground with the unbeliever they don't accept it so you have to and yeah you, know, you get into uh i think a misuse of classical apologetics so you know you spend all this time 
you know, arguing for theism and all this stuff. And where it comes down to, as you well know better than me being in the trenches, is that all people are creating the image and likeness of God. You could deny it. You could pretend God doesn't exist. It doesn't matter where you're at. The Bible is still true. The only thing that's going to change that sinner is Scripture. So they can deny it all they want. They still need to hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. They need to hear that they're a sinner. They need to hear that they need to trust Christ. They need to repent. That's the only thing that's going to change. Some well-meaning Christians get caught up with abortion or the gospel outright and say, well, no, it's just it's not... It's not going to be effective. It's not. It's not going to work. It doesn't work like that because people don't believe. It's like, of course, of course, unregenerate man's going to deny the truth. The only thing is going to was the Holy Spirit used to convict them. The Word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 yeah, then I was thinking side, in have... my former days, I used to think like that. <laughs> but God granted me repentance. You know, on the on the <laughs> other side, we do have we do unfortunately have uh, professing believers. That that believe that every Christian has a responsibility to end abortion, yes. as if as if First Corinthians twelve should be ripped out of a Bible, because we should all be about one thing and not have a multitude of gifts and be yes. one body, many members. You know, uh, yes. and and that's a different problem. It's you know not everyone is going to be called to political activism. Not everyone is going to be called yes. to trying to end abortion. But we all we all are called as Christians to the gospel. But you know, within the body of Christ, God gives us all different gifts and different callings to serve different purposes. And uh, abortion is horrific, but it's it's not the only evil in the world. Right? No, no. And, I I, I, know, I I agree it, with you. We got. I'm just looking at time. Let's try and wrap this up in about like thirty thirty five minutes. But. Uh, I agree with what you said about the body. I just clarify this. I'd make a general statement, and uh, you know I'm not uh, I'm you know, far from a theonomist, so not uh, political activism isn't part of the Great Commission. Uh, some are called to political activism, some aren't. I would just say this about political about politics in general. I think all Christians in any given culture, in any given time, they're called to be politically aware. They should know at some level what's going on. Uh, that doesn't mean they should be active. And the same thing w- would be say, I mean, every Christian should know the basics of the Bible enough that they can tell anyone that abortion is wrong. Uh, th- they should know that. But again, that's a far cry from saying because you should be politically aware, because you should be prepared. That doesn't mean you have to be in the political realm. The thing, the thing that I really, and you, you might, you might find surprising. With uh, AHA and what's that? Uh, abolishing human abortion is that, what that is that what it stands for? Correct. That's what it stands for. Okay. Yeah. The thing, things these guys, why they're misguided. I mean, they're misguided at more than one level. But not only do they make that assertion that all Christians have to be involved in the political realm, which just isn't true, but uh, they they despise the local church. It, it's just it's so it's just rank hypocrisy. And I found out recently some people say hypocrisy. For years I've been saying hypocrisy. But in any case, it's so hypocritical that they then target churches when these folks aren't even going to churches. It's just, it just blows me away. And I know you're part of a parachurch ministry. I know you're a member of a local church. You know, you, you practice what you preach. But, I mean, any any parachurch ministry that then denigrates or degrades or denies the local church, it's just it's so terribly hypocritical. You have people, whatever they're doing, yeah, they're raising money, and then from churches, and then they they refuse to submit to a church. But with these guys in particular, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you, you've you've jousted with them, you fought with them. 
are these these guys are they even in churches? Well, okay, so we got to be specific with it because uh-huh. it's it's a very large group of people, uh-huh. and it is an organization. They deny it's that it's an organization, but they have bylaws. They have a trademark. Um, you know, they're they're organized. You have to be of them to use their 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 trademark AHA, and but. Uh-huh. A lot of them are in good biblical churches. So, you know, their leaders, the guys who started it, uh, huh. would say they're in a church, but it's, it's a church that they, they just set up on their own. It's, it's a church of, you know, like-minded people that are all part of AHA. And I, I have been seeing this across the country where huh. slowly people come out of biblical churches because of the fact that, this particular group blames the church for abortion. I mean, they'll stand outside of a church with signs that say, you know, the abortion clinic down the street is open by permission of this church. No, yeah. no, it's the politicians that, that made those laws, not the church. And, and the church can't make a law to put an end to it. And you, so, you've been, you know, I think I, I saw, trying to say that Go ahead. Well, I think I think they're saying that because they're trying to say that the church is not active in putting a stop to abortion. Yeah, it's 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 it's, ter- it's terribly it's terribly arrogant, and misguided. Do these guys have? I know I know it's disparate. You know, you, you said you know some people in churches, you know, leaders aren't evidently, or they, they've redefined what the church is to suit their own political, social, and political agenda, but. Uh, are these guys theonomists? Because that, that sounds like that really smacks of theonomy. That you know, these guys. I, I've seen with the theonomist mindset. You know, I knew one one crypto theonomist, and yeah, you know, they'd always be they'd always be harping on that. That you know, the reason it would be it would always be like yes, yeah, and, and self righteous assertions would be made. It's like the reason we have these problems is because the church didn't speak to it. It's like, yeah, you know, what are you smoking? It's like, nah, yeah, the church, the church hasn't spoken to certain things, but to, to blame the church totally? No, no, no. The church, the ch- Christians are one part of the segment, are one part of society, and yeah, in certain areas, the church should have exerted more influence. But it's so terribly arrogant because the presupposition with theonomists or crypto theonomists, it always seems to be, well, the church should really be ruling anyhow. So that's why they blame they blame for it because I mean correct me if I'm wrong that's it seems like that's what they're always pushing and selling it's like well you know, the church is responsible for this because the church should be making the laws the church only Christians should be in power I mean have you have well, you picked up on that Yeah the 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 group itself is I, I would think primarily not theonomist in in nature in their theology. However, yeah, you can see a lot of tendencies that way, and, and that's why you do see, uh, you know, American Vision and, and those guys, uh, the theonomists there, who are now joining with them. And so, it, I mean, it, there is a natural progression there, but I don't think that the guys who really founded it were, were theonomistic in nature. Um, but I, I think the, the issue that, you know, one of the biggest issues that I have with it is when you're standing outside of a church with signs and a whole group of people standing outside of churches and biblical church, I mean, they were there at, at the shepherds conference when I was there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and they're there. And what they want to do is air their grievance 
Now, at Shepherd's Conference, they weren't allowed to have signs, but, you know, they, they were down at uh, Emilio Ramos's church in Texas and Heritage Grace Church, and they have all these signs. Now, as the unbelievers are driving up and down the street, what do they see? They see signs that claim that this church is supporting abortion, that this church is yeah. allowing abortion. And and they're airing a grievance. And, you know, this is the issue that I have with it is Scripture speaks to this. First Corinthians chapter six, verse one. And when you have when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go before the law, before the unrighteous instead of the saints? If you have a grievance with your brother, you don't go before the unbelievers. You don't air that in public. You go to the church to solve this. The as you mentioned, I mean, the problem is most of these people are not in churches, and and really what they're what they're doing is they're finally admitting that they're recruiting. That's why they go to the churches. They're they're not there so much to try to encourage the church like they claim. They're there to recruit people. They want to yeah, talk I remember, to people. I remember you saying that. They don't go to the yeah. They don't go to the church first. They didn't go to Shepherd's Conference and say, hey, you know, we would like to to be invited in or to be able to be outside and and talk to people. No, they. you know what they were doing? They went around, they knew where the, the food court was, and they were standing just on the outside of where the food court is, and they were calling people over. Hey, 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 come here. Can you get one of these? And and trying to get into conversations and pull people out. You know, literally, literally behind bushes, you know, there was a like bushes and, and, and gates around the, the, the complex there at Grace Community Church. And you see them like – Sticking their hand through the gate, like telling people, "Hey, did you get one of these?" Calling people over, it's like, you know, and, and they're like, "Well, we just, we just want to encourage people." Yeah. And it's like your yeah. your what your message is when you read their little pamphlet that they were giving out was, you know, how how bad the church is and because the church allows this to happen, and that, yeah, you know all right. the abortion clinics and. And yet they don't address so many other issues. I mean, they don't want to address human trafficking, which is far more prevalent and, and yeah. you know, than unfortunately than than the abortion. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, that's not legalized. Or you know, or, or illegal like, war. That the, the most Christians don't care again about the drone bombings and yeah, you know, Syria, yeah, illegal, you know, Article One, Section Eight. Yeah. Uh, it's real clear only Congress can declare a war hasn't happened since World War Two. Now I'm 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 with you. The the thing the thing to me that's really tragic is that they're just terribly deceived and misguided because they're blaming the church for something that isn't the church's fault. So I see you're saying that if they have if they have agreements they share an error publicly, but I'm saying even worse than that, at a more fundamental level, they're completely deluded and deceived because the church isn't operating the abortion clinics. I mean that they're just terribly, right. terribly misguided. I will say this: I am for, I, I, I definitely am for confrontational activism. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I basically I was at a Republican meeting uh, like was it two years back, and some clowns. One guy was a professing believer, Skip Stam. He had the audacity to sponsor a bill to give illegal aliens uh, driver's permits in this state. And yeah, but he's known that he was known as a godly Christian man. But uh, yeah, I, I got him at I, I got him at uh, a, the uh, Republican State Convention. I'm like, hey, Skip, 
you know, what what is it that people want to know, Skip? Why why do you support why do you support driver's licenses or permits for illegals? And yeah, he, he just had to see the video. He's abusing me. He won't answer the question. But I'm all for the confrontation. But these folks are terribly misguided. The people they should be doing that to are people in the state and federal governments, not not believers, well, not and, Christians. And that's that's the point. <laughs> that's the point that I have. If they if they invested as much time. Because their whole argument, which is, I, you know, look, I, I would be, and I was an abolitionist before they were around and before they had started. Right. I mean, I, I right. make the, I made the connection between slavery, and, and abortion, you know, back in like 2010 or 2011, and it was when I started making that argument. And so before they, they were around, you know, and I'm not, not saying that I, that. I need to be credited with it. It's, it's not original with them. Oh, no, no. I, I've, so heard, I've heard that, that I'm against... pro-life circle like 20 years. It's been, it's been floating around. Yeah, it's been yeah. there. I mean, it's, it's not that they're the first one to think that we need right. to end abortion immediately. Um, the, issue, the issue is, is that I, I, I totally support the fact of trying to end abortion immediately. But if they invested as much time going to their congressmen in the large groups yeah. and protesting their congressmen every week instead of their churches in the area, maybe they would end, have a, an end to abortion. I mean, it, 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 they, they no, I agree. are, it's terribly, I think, it's terribly misguided, misguided in who yeah, they it's, see it's like, okay, the solution I, to yeah. putting an end to it. It's like, okay, so because, see, yeah, my, my car doesn't work, so because my car doesn't work, I'm going to show up I'm going to show up at a uh, at like AutoZone, and then protest. Why is my car working? They're going to say, "We, you got this wrong. We're not mechanics. We sell stuff." But why? Yeah. Why do you think we're responsible that your car's broke? I mean, it's just, it, it's just ter- They're terribly deceived and misguided. And I just say again, once again, hammer away at the politics to really focus like this on a laser. The most effective, the the biggest bang for the buck again is going to be at the state house at the state level because, like I point again to Oklahoma, what almost happened last year. Oklahoma well, yeah, almost and, passed and that these, law and, and made abortion illegal. So you're right; it, it can be done. These guys, but look, let's give, let's give credit where credits due, though. Yeah, we got to give credit where credits due because you know a lot of the guys from you know AHA were involved in bringing about that law in Oklahoma, and that's ones correct. in Texas yeah. and elsewhere. And so that's great. That's the thing that when you're focused that way, then yeah, I mean, because if if that yeah. passes, then we can start seeing an end to this uh, atrocity. Yep. But the, 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 the thing is, is protesting churches is it's good for recruitment. I, I'll grant you that, but be honest with what it is. It's recruitment. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's <laughs> misguided. Know, I mean, it, they just, they have no, they have no biblical or, or rational basis for doing that. Well, okay. So, I mean, you gotta be clear. I mean, most of them, are not biblical scholars. They're not theologians. They're not Bible students. They're people that have an emotional attachment to the ending of abortion. And it's a good thing, but I think that in in many cases, you know, look, I've been very clear in being very outspoken about this particular group because I do believe they, they have fallen in to the definition of a cult. Okay. They, they, have a group of people that say you must be about, uh, you know, reading the Bible their way. They they play games with Scripture um, in the fact that they think that everyone should be reading Scripture, 
by seeing abortion as child sacrifice. And it's like no one's going to abortion clinics to worship Satan, worship uh, a god, worship self. I mean, they're, they're not doing it as an act of worship. And these guys twist things. So they got the scripture twisting. They have the thing to say that, you know, they, some of them will be a little bit, unfortunately, open about it. But they'll say you, you have to be active in ending abortion to be a Christian. It, it, they question your Christianity if you're not. That's a real problem. So yeah, yeah. You, you start to look. They, they script, the, the scripture twisting, they believe that they have the exclusive, you know, only they are, are believers and have the true gospel. They, they, they'll talk about the true church supports AHA. Well, what does it mean if you don't support AHA? You're not part of the true church. So you have, you have I mean, if anyone needs to see the list I'm going through, in my book, What Do They Believe? It's, it's a it's systematic theology of the major Western religions. It goes through Catholicism, Islam, Judaism, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormonism, Christianity, and, and looks at the six major doctrines in each of those from original sources. Okay, what's their authority, their view of God, the Trinity, Jesus Christ, deity, man's sinfulness, salvation, and times. But in the beginning, I give five points that define a cult. You have authoritarianism, that a group of people believe that they're the ones that tell you how to interpret Scripture. You have Scripture twisting. You have the exclusivity, that they're the only ones that have the truth. You have the isolation, which is what we said. These guys eventually, in many times, you see them pulling out from biblical churches into churches that are just people of the group of this, you know, when they get enough people in an area, they kind of start their own church. And so the last one is harm. And, you know, that could be physical, emotional, or spiritual harm. Well, the reality yeah. is, is that I have gotten lots and lots of emails, phone calls, messages from people who were in this group and had trouble getting out of it because they, they get people to get their whole life wrapped up in this. So when you pull out of it, you feel like you have this huge void. Uh, there's there was a pastor of of a church that's that helped to start with these to start a church with these founders. Described to me as basic brainwashing. Uh, th- th- these two guys would take turns keeping this guy and his wife up all night and all day, and you know they would take turns and keep him up, and and so he was sleep deprived, and and he he eventually left the area. Uh, and I, I think his wife actually had to be uh, institutionalized for a bit because of the fact that they were using brainwashing techniques and it was affecting them. And uh, they they had to get away. Well, that's that's hard. What, what state What state did that happen in? That would that was in Oklahoma. Yeah. It was in Oklahoma. Yeah. So, so it, it, I mean, the it, thing it, that it's you sad. end up having. What you're saying, I mean, that that, that 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 is pure cultism. I mean, that the idea is like, okay, if you're going to take, and again, yeah, we we could talk a lot. We're not going to go in this area tonight. Lack of time about church planning. Okay, you know what? You know, there isn't a lot said in scriptures, so God gives liberty. But if you are going to plan a church, it's got to be based upon what a biblical mandate is. So the mere fact, I mean, complete complete illegitimacy to say, okay, well. We have a need of a church based upon the core belief of saying Christians have to oppose abortion politically. No biblical basis. I mean, that's cultic. So then it doesn't surprise me that much when you tell me this, even all this more disturbing stuff I hadn't heard as far as, you know, the, the, you know, the brainwashing techniques. I mean, if you're going to be that far gone, you're going to say you're going to pull people out of other churches and start a church based upon, 
you know, a pseudo or false political mandate, then yeah, you know, it's not too far away when you get into sleep deprivation, sad to say. Well, I mean, the thing is, is they have um, a seven-stage strategy that they had right from the beginning. And when you look mm-hmm. at their seven-stage strategy, okay, it, it's really clear that this, this, from the beginning, was a plan that they had um, of, of what they would call sowing seeds. But then what you end up with is you end up with the fact that um, – they're, they were very clear about the fact that they expected to create a, a, a state of what they're going to call persecution. But really what it is is they're, they're creating a state where when they do things that people are going to respond to, they're going to say, oh, see, we're right because we're being persecuted. And, yeah. and I, like every cult does this, every cult. Will, yeah. well, will that, that, appeal to persecution as proof it, that they're right. That's fascinating. I've studied this at the political realm, and it's really, it's at the political realm that this operates all the time. And they basically, you look at the Hegelian dialectic, uh, the Hegelian dialectic, Marx was a young Hegelian, and that influenced his view, the idea that there would be a thesis, one idea, an antithesis, imposing idea, and out of that, this, the, 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 as the two ideas interact and fought, then there'd be a new thesis. We continue thesis, antithesis, then the synthesis, and you know would go on. And so he, he, Hegel thought philosophically you'd, you'd have this going on in terms of ideas and philosophies, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and would go on. So Marx looked at that, and then he parked on that and he applied that to social conflict and social structure. So he's looking at the Industrial Revolution. Again, can't, won't get in time, who bankrolled them and all that, Marx and Engels. The point is he applied that idea of Hegelian, the dialectic, to class conflict. So again, a lot of Marxists lose it. They're historians because you don't have an industrial class in every society. In any case, you see this in the political realm. What happens is that you get a group like Right to Life put, putting this conversation right back into where it is on abortion. Uh, and people say, you know, why, why, why is right to life still support the idea of overturning Roe versus Wade? You know why? Why do they just support the most popular politicians, the Republicans, not who are, who, are, who are most likely going to oppose abortion? It all comes back to the fact is that they really it's right to life started. You probably know this national right to life is Catholic organization. It doesn't exist to get rid of it because if they got rid of abortion then people are going to lose money. It's sad to say. Same thing with the NRA. The NRA does some great things, but at the political realm, the NRA, for example, fought grassroots North Carolina here. The only reason this state in North Carolina has right to, has the right to carry concealed is because grassroots North Carolina. The NRA didn't like that and tried to get rid of them. So the biggest organizations operate like this. They basically will try and cre- control the narrative and then say, oh, well, you know, if you oppose them, this is the standard. This is the gold standard of being right to life. It's national right to life, but it's not. And this is the gold standard of being pro-gun. It's the NRA, and it's not. So they create they create these fake narratives to just lead people away. Some people could call it, too, really controlled opposition because they're going to say they oppose something, but you know they really don't. And I'm not saying with the AH8 they don't oppose abortion, but like you're saying, it sounds insidious from the beginning. They just had the strategy to deceive and divide people. Yeah, I mean, and and so people see. I mean, their their first these are their their seven their seven stages, right? The first one yeah, is seeding. Yeah, yeah. What are they? Spreading 
spreading the idolatry mm-hmm. of abortion, of abolition. Now, now the idolatry, the ideology, sorry, of of this is, you know, their T-shirts, their signs. This, this is how the, these founders make mm-hmm. their money. I mean, they, they're mm-hmm. they're producing a lot of, you know, uh, of this stuff, and yeah. they're, you know, get this out there, get the, you know, buy it. Buy, get it from us, spread it everywhere. Flowering is the second one where they talk about uh, abolitionism taking root uh, and put into daily practice. So that this becomes, you know, creating societies all over the place where everyone gets together to, to focus on this. They call, talk about the third step is weeding, uh, where it's discussing, debating, and, uh, where the ideology of abolition is discussed, debated, and attacked. And then they say, many reject the call for abolition, fully embrace pessimism and pa- pragmatism, but abolitionists become the lone true dissenters in the culture of death. You, you see the, the, the isolation and exclusivity that they're doing right from there. Uh, number four is revival. The body and bride repents of abortion apathy and rises up. Okay, so now what are they saying? Who's the bride of Christ? Well, it's only those that support them. It's only those that are rising up and agreeing with their view. Anyone else has abortion apathy. That's okay. Yeah. So you're seeing, again, you're seeing the isolationism. You're seeing the exclusivism. You're, you're basing it on, on you know, they, they don't give any scripture in any of this. Uh, then you have, you know, the revolution. <laughs> not, 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 not even the Book of Mormon? Not even. Yeah. <laughs> uh, revolution is a reform of, the pra- of practical Christianity yielding a marked effect on the culture at large leading to political revolution and cultural renewal. Is, is that what Christians are called to? Political revolution and cultural renewal? No, we're, we're called to spread the gospel, and the gospel will bring that about. Um, and, and so then number six, this is why I say they had it from the beginning, persecution. They, they say openly, you know, the, 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 the church is going to come after them. Well, why would the church come after you, right? It's like, you know, um, and then and then they say, you know, the seventh is abolition that they end abortion, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, like you're basically saying that everyone's going to be against you. How are you going to end it then? <laughs> you know, but they have these seven stages, and and what you're seeing right in their stages is the fact that they're claiming, hey, it's only us that's going to be having the truth. It's only us yeah. that, 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 you know, is going to be the true church. And every single cult speaks that way. Every cult speaks yes, about absolutely. them being the only true yeah, absolutely. church. Absolutely. Whether it's the Jehovah's Witnesses in Brooklyn or, uh, yeah, Mormons, I guess. They're not in Brooklyn like anymore. Yeah. No, where no they they're, they're, they're leaving Brooklyn. They're, they're, wow. uh, I think they're moving to upstate New York. They're giving up. Uh, Did, I, I guess they've come upon wow. hard times, and that property they got there, the Watchtower in Brooklyn, must be pretty expensive property right along the water there. And uh, so, yeah, I, I guess um, you know, it, truthfully, what it is is the internet has been very bad for cults. Mormonism has been struggling because they just cannot, they can't hide all of Joseph Smith's wives yeah. anymore. Uh, yeah. The internet is just there, and and the you know. <laughs> They can't control the the dialogue anymore, 
and the internet's been really hard for a lot of these cultic groups. And uh, so I, and maybe maybe the Jehovah Witnesses they're just uh, came upon hard times. They they've tried rechanging their website all lately, and they're they're selling the property and moving up north. Yeah, it can make a lot of money selling that in Brooklyn, I'm sure. So did they get any revelation yeah. to make the move or not? Not that I know of. I, I, no. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 more disturbing. I'm glad you shared that about AHA. Uh, yeah, it's very organized, and yeah, it's just so much what you're saying. I mean, that is that is just like cultic to the core. It's no, that, that, mean, we, that, we that's terrible. Be, whenever we say this, though, we do have to be, you know, honest and 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 fair with the fact that many people who are part of AHA. Uh, as far as going out to abortion clinics and doing stuff, they're not protesting churches. Um, they're not believing everything. They're they're seeing a group that wants to put an end to abortion. They want to put an end to abortion, yeah. and they're 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 liking it. Okay, so it, it, when I speak of AHA, I'm speaking of the organization that the the group itself that you know holds the you know the rights to. Uh, the uh, trademark and, you know, that own that trademark. And, you know, that's, that's the, the group that we're talking about because they're the ones who uh, really define, you know, what AHA is in the sense that they, they own the ideology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know that's where you end up having to to get to the issue of um, when, when I speak about that, I'm speaking of their their leadership uh, and those that are you know fully embracing that mindset that they have there. Uh, I'm not speaking of it of all uh, of all the people who are part of that may not be as tied into it. Yeah, I, I I hear you. I mean, that's that's an important distinction. Uh, yeah, the other people may mean well, but again, of course, you know, with your local church, you can do what's right and you know, not be tied. And a lot a lot of the people on the fringes probably don't have no idea about the things you shared tonight with the cultic tendencies. They probably just are ignorant. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and, 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 uh, and I mean it's. I, I, I bring it up not you know I mean you brought it up but I, I mean I, I raise sure. it to say that it's it's it they have good intentions uh, but I, yeah. I disagree with how they're they're carrying it out um, just like I agreed with the intentions of John Brown in abolitionism to end slavery but I didn't support his you know use of violence and kidnapping of people of you know of uh, the George Washington's grandson or, or great grandnephew something like that. Uh, you know things like that to bring about the end of abortion. Though it, it did succeed in doing that, um, not abortion, uh, uh, slavery. But slavery. It, yeah. it may have succeeded in ending slavery, but or being a part of it. But that doesn't justify sinful behavior. And yeah. uh, no, you know, I, just I because agree, you have a good cause and wanting yeah. to end abortion, it doesn't justify protesting churches or no. or taking scripture out of context. Or you know, twisting the scriptures, or claiming yourselves as the only ones that have truth, you know, it doesn't justify that. No, no, the end, the end, the ends don't justify the means. But before we wrap it up, uh, you have any other projects, meetings coming up? Plug your website. Yeah, well, 
the, the ministry website is strivingforeternity.org. This weekend uh, in New Jersey, we'll be at the Jersey Fire. That's in Toms River, New Jersey. Uh, information is at jerseyfire.org. We're, it's a conference where we'll be talking about the attributes of God. And then afterwards, we take everyone that wants to from the conference, and we go out to the Jersey Shore, the boardwalk, and we hand out gospel tracts. We have one-on-one conversations. We share the gospel with people. And uh, it's a great place if people don't like sharing the gospel to go because <laughs> when you have you know, 50 to 100 other Christians with you, it's easy to, to share the gospel. You feel emboldened. Um, so that's coming up this weekend. Uh, I know that uh, the summer months get busy. I'm, I'm going to be flying around. I'll be in uh, St. Lucia doing ministry for a week. I'll be in, in Seattle uh, doing a seminar on evangelism and creation science. I'll be um, – uh, I'll be in Ohio for the Judge Not Conference. Uh, so we've got lots going on, and uh, we're, we're revamping our, our Striving Fraternity Academy. It's a, we, right now we have classes, uh, like almost 80 classes on systematic theology, 20 classes on how to interpret the Bible, 20-plus um, classes on, on introduction to world religions, 20-plus classes on an introduction to discipleship. We're working on some classes uh, for philosophy on logic, we're working on some classes for uh, creation science and counseling, and uh, we're going to be presenting those out in, in a bit. And we're going to be changing that up so that we're actually going to try to do it so it's a certificate program, and it'll be something instead right now those classes are free on our YouTube channel. But uh, we're going to be doing it where it's a, a, something that, that's paid, and it's going to be professionally edited and really done well. And uh, so that's what we're looking forward to in the future. Nice. Nice. Do, do you have, I do have a new book that's actually going to be out this summer too? I should, I should, I should plug oh. the new book. Uh, I oh, have yeah, a new yeah, book yeah. coming out. What do we believe? It's going to be a systematic theology of Christianity, um, and uh, giving some detail for for all levels Christians, whether they're newer believers or someone like yourself, to dig into uh, you know the major doctrines of Christianity and and trying to bring everyone along in in studying Scripture systematically and with a theology in mind. Nice. nice. Uh, how long do you think that's going to be? Before it's out? Before it's mm-hmm. out, how, how long, roughly, how, how many pages, roughly, you think you're going to cover? Uh, I think it's about, I, I want to say 180 to 200 pages. I, I forget offhand. Um, but it's, um, it, sh- it should have been out already. Um, I, I, I think you may be aware, but, uh, with the passing of my father-in-law, um, I've been very, I've been very, uh, for the past month, month and a half, been very, uh, distracted or active in having to work with my, my in-laws and the family at, uh, bringing all of the issues of, of his estate, uh, uh, to to a conclusion and whatnot, and um, so because of that, it's it's that's taken a lot of time. So I'm hoping to get the book wrapped up, uh, you know, within the next two weeks before I hit the road and, and start traveling for six weeks, <laughs> uh, because that way the editor can do the final edits and then we get it to the printer. Nice. So great. hopefully, I'm hoping yeah. before August. Great, great. I'm glad. Uh, Lord's keeping you busy, open up those doors. So, so where? Is is uh, Jersey Fire? Is that going to be at uh, Faith Baptist? Yeah, that's going to be at Faith Baptist in Tom's River, New Jersey. Tom's River, neat. Yeah, I wish I could make it, but a mere about 
500 miles. Not going to be able to do it this weekend, brother. But don't uh, let 500 miles get in your way. Yeah, it's just some other stuff, you know that. Other <laughs> other priorities, but I I I do appreciate the invite. And, uh, well, thanks. Yeah, it's I, our, I it's appreciate. Our anniversary. We've been, we've been doing stuff. Wow. Wow, that went. That was a quick ten years, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. A few minutes. I don't know if put you on the spot. If you want to talk about anything as far as radio ministry, I know you work in uh, indirectly with Matt Slick. Well, we work. Yeah, what we have part of striving for eternity is the Bible Something Wingnut Network, and what that is is a network of of podcasts that we have um but basically because of the the you know a podcast is very difficult to get an audience that's one of the big things uh-huh. if you can get an audience on a podcast it's it's hard well uh-huh. bible from the wing network has an audience of thousands and so we have people who have great content but no one's hearing them and we get them up onto our network and all of a sudden thousands of people are hearing them and it's really been a way of launching podcasts and then what we do is we keep them as part of our network they're on our website com. you can see all the podcasts there and you could you know subscribe to any of the ones you want and and it's a good variety i mean we have uh, the flagship which is bible something wingnut a guy who he's actually a truck driver by trade but um, he's he's theologically minded and likes to discuss theology, and and you know we have we have uh, Christ the Rock Church, they have sermons, so we have those. Then we have we have a, a podcast grappling with theology. It's it's a, a, a podcast about uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, uh, and he's a, the guy there is a pastor, and so he talks about Jiu Jitsu and theology uh, really well. The way he intermixes that. Um, we have you know some podcasts that uh, the one that you mentioned the one that Matt Slick and I do for folks that don't know Matt Slick is uh, the the founder of CARM that's Christian Apologetics uh, Christian Apologetics Research Ministry and he and I every Sunday night eight o'clock Eastern time do a Google Hangout and we basically talk to anybody and everyone and we talk to a lot of folks that um, a lot of folks who are uh, atheistic in nature and. In in doing so, uh, we just sit and you know, basically Matt challenge you know takes their challenges, answers their challenges, and starts giving them the gospel. And uh, but you know, this, so that's going to be more apologetic in nature. Um, and so you know, the network has a lot to offer different people. We have a, a theology gals, which is a podcast by women for women. So you know, we have like this wide range and it's also a wide range of theological systems because you have uh supper reformandum radio, which is covenantal um, um, theology gals would be covenantal. Then you have conversational supports, which are new covenant theology. Uh, you'd have striving for eternity, which is biblical. That means dispensational. Um, that's a joke to any of my Cal- Calvinistic or covenantal friends out there. Um, but <laughs> you know, the the point being is we we it's it's a area where we have a lot to offer. There's a lot of people writing blogs on it, and so if people are looking for some good podcasts to listen to, I, I'd recommend that they go out to BibleThumpingWingnut.com, 
take a look at the different ones that are out there. Uh, not all of them are on the same RSS feed, so you know, give a listen to the different shows that and see which ones you like and and subscribe to them. But um, we do, we do. Matt Slick just started a new radio show, and uh, he's he used to just be in uh, Salt Lake City and Boise, Idaho area. And now he's on 15 different uh, stations, so he's been doing that, and um, and that's been that's been really good for for Matt Slick Live, which I, I recommend folks to listen to. He he and I don't yeah, agree theologically on a, a lot of things, but we we're good friends and we get along. Yeah, he he uh, he he doesn't seem a belligerent. You know, there's certain people that are uh, non-dispensational belligerent. He doesn't seem belligerent in his covenantalism. But I tell you, it's been a blessing to hear him. I I, I think I told you this in my uh, my neck of the woods in Central North Carolina. Uh, he uh, he replaced the Greek Orthodox answer man, Hank Hanegraaff, who is a thorough <laughs> thoroughgoing apostate. The church answer man. I tell you, it's it's just been a blessing to hear Matt in his spot. I mean, I didn't like Hank even before he became an apostate. I just thought he was terribly arrogant. But it's just refreshing to hear Matt, to hear what he has to say. And also Matt, Matt's not belligerent, but he openly says, you know, Hank, Hank is apostatized. I mean, it's just you shouldn't. Yeah. Some Christian apologists have you know, tried to nuance that. And, yes, you have to say different things about Greek Orthodox. You have to say, you know, Greek Orthodoxy does not represent the true gospel. Okay, it's, it's a false religion. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's sad because you know um, Matt, Matt's going to speak the truth, and it's sad to see some of these guys who just uh, they want to they want to be like, well, let's let's give some grace to someone who you know, in any other circumstance, we'd say that you know this is wrong, but. Because this guy, you know, seemed to teach the truth for so long. Well, you know, okay. I mean, I I stopped listening to Hank Hennigraf years ago, uh, like fifteen <laughs> twenty years ago. Um, I, you know, I had enough. Um, but you know, yeah, you you mentioned things about thing grace, is, brother. Is that, Go ahead. I, you know, the thing is, is that look, um, we we all have to be aware that. Every one of us is is going to have areas of our theology that we're wrong. I mean, it would just—it's true. We don't know where they are, otherwise we change. And I think that that's the reason that Matt and I can get along with our differences. I think so well is we know that we're wrong in different areas, but we don't know where they are, and we we accept it. We recognize that, and um, and that's that's the thing. Um, you know, I think we need to, as Christians, be showing a lot more grace and humility to one another in areas that we disagree. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I've made it kind of clear, right? I disagree with uh, AHA and some of their, their behaviors and tactics. But that doesn't mean I don't commend many of them for the work that they're trying to do. Uh, and, and I want to try to fairly represent, you know, sure. what they're doing. Uh, and, sure. and that's yes. a mistake a lot of people make is they think like we have to all, it, it's like an all or nothing deal. Yeah. And I, yeah. I just, I don't see it that way. No, I, I completely agree with him. You, you, you know, you, you, and when you exposed them tonight, it was very 
calculated. You mentioned what was going on at the top as opposed to some well-meaning people at the bottom that aren't in leadership that, you know, just are driven by some good passion to want to end abortion, not realizing, you know, the cultic tendencies and message at the top. But let's end on this as far as Hank, when you make the argument, or anyone else as far as Grace, uh, it's just so sad what's happened with Hank Hanegraaff and why, you know, some respected voices haven't denounced him, you know, as strongly, emphatically, and repeatedly, and that's this. Biblically, uh, you're not going to treat a new believer like you would someone as a teacher. I mean, we know very clear in James, let not many of you become teachers. Why? You will receive a stricter judgment. Okay, there's a warning if someone's going to function as an elder. They shouldn't be a you know, neophyte, newly planted. They shouldn't be a new believer. So you've got to give grace to someone who's new to the faith. Hank has been a teacher for years and many, many, many years. Super influential. You do not give grace to someone who's an established teacher, who has a national audience, who's influencing people, who becomes completely apostate. But it's just so perverse what you touched on in Christianity today. Everything's inverted. It's like, well, no, nah, you give grace to someone because because they have helped people or they, or they, they are influential. No, no, no. It's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. They're held to a higher standard. And if they if they become guilty of egregious apostasy like him, now he's part of, of a false gospel preaching organization, the Greek Orthodox Church, so to speak. No, he, he needs to be exposed and denounced. And it's just so sad that people, again, again the, the, the sentimentality and broader evangelicalism, it's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, it, it's sad. It really is sad. Thanks, my brother. We will do this again, perhaps, maybe. Think a topic I could think of, maybe the pre-tribulational rapture, perhaps, or millennialism in general, a covenantal theology. We will do this again, my brother. All right. Well, it's always it's always good to be with you. I, I appreciate the, the privilege of, of being on with you, discussing these things. I know you, you often talk more in, in the political realm, and uh, but these things do, as Christians, we, we do have to realize that Part of being in this world, but not of this world, means that we are to be politically active. It's, uh, but we're we're going to approach that political active activism differently as Christians. Amen. Amen. Christian worldview is going to touch on that, and I would say again, we all all believe should be politically aware, not politically active. And those who are active has has to fight in a certain way according to Scripture and understanding the political and social system we are in. Thank you, Andrew. We will speak again. You've been listening to the KIRP radio show last Friday nights with Rocco P. Thank you again, Pudgy Miller, for the opportunity to share your platform. Lord willing, I will be back next month, last Friday night. And it looks like last Friday night, then in July, will be Friday, July 28th. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the KIRP radio show. KIRP radio!